back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in the Xamarin world. I am your host, James Montemagno. And I'm Pierce Bogan. Wow, Pierce, how's it going? Good. How are you here in Seattle for Build? Yeah. It was a busy week. Now, I will say it has been a while since the last podcast. Yeah, and I'll take I'll take full blame for that. Yeah. Um, had some audio issues on our last podcast, but that's okay because now we can recap all the stuff that we were talking about in preview then now in stable. Yeah, it was a great podcast. It was perfect. It, it was, was really good. It was our pre-build everything podcast and then the audio just it didn't work out. So no big deal, but we're back and this is the important stuff because now everything is announced and we can exactly. talk about the goodness. Uh, and yeah, build was crazy. It's over now. So three days of mayhem and amazingness. Uh, we had an amazing booth. I tweeted out some photos of me and David uh, or now uh, PM of Xamarin Forms. Uh, and it's a really cool booth. It was like double sided, like really cool, like uh, vertical uh, touchscreen monitors, had some cool demos set up with some of the new Xamarin Forms stuff. So it was pretty great. And we had some new monkeys, too. Yeah, we had Those some new hot off the presses. They were very fuzzy. Very fuzzy. The fuzziest monkeys. Well, I think the previous, the black iteration of the monkey, where it was just, it, there was no texture to the monkey. Yeah. This one, it feels a little more high quality. No offense to previous monkeys. It, it does feel a little bit more high qual, but... Less exclusive, exclusive though. Yeah, a little bit less exclusive because everyone kind of got one. But I will say that its shirt was a little bit, it was like a, a, a tall tee. It was a tall tee. It was a tall tee. So, uh, yeah, a lot of things happened. It was busy. I had three sessions. Uh, there were a lot of other Xamarin sessions that occurred. Not only do we have the keynotes, uh, but I had three sessions. There were these really cool theater sessions. So, in the expo hall, so if people were not at Build, I'll kind of describe the setup here. We uh, were in Washington, so in Seattle, the Washington State Convention Center. And what was really nice is there's this big atrium, and that's where Channel 9 was and our podcast area. So Frank Kruger and I, who do Merge Conflict, uh, the podcast, we were doing a podcast, and we did five podcast recordings. We had some great guests on, so I'll put some links in the show notes to, uh, to the podcast, so definitely tune into that, where we really dive into crazy Xamarin awesomeness. And we had Miguel on, too, so that'll be coming out in a few weeks. Uh, but the Expo Hall was really unique this year, because not only did you have all the different Microsoft product teams, but you had uh, four different theater stages that nonstop people were giving 20 minute lightning sessions. And you also had a bunch of external sponsors and vendors. And I thought that was cool because in previous builds, even Xamarin, we were part of that one before joining Microsoft, right. but it felt really integrated. It felt it did. pretty open. I liked it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was cool because we had people from, you know, the Infragistics booth come over, the Telerik booth, people were talking Prism. There was a lot of overlap between all the teams and like there was a Windows template studio booth right next to ours and people, you know, bounce back and forth between both the booths. So I agree. It was pretty cool having everyone all in the same room and they had some fun stuff like popcorn and, you know, alcohol <laughs> and all that fun <laughs> stuff as well. But yeah, it was cool popping around. There was so much random stuff like you're like, oh, that's a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. It's cool just strolling through all the booths and seeing all the all the swag and all the products and stuff like that. Yeah, I really liked it. And this year, everyone has lanyards on, of course. And at every, almost every single booth, a lot of the booths, they had these circular Velcro things that you could put on. So instead of pins, it was kind of like nice little collectible. Yeah. I like that. We had one. It was a little mobile phone, which was nice. Uh, and there was also some ponies and some puppies. I saw that. Yeah, there was a petting area. Uh, had some some ponies, some puppies, some rabbits. Um, I think there are some other animals as well, but it was, you were just, I, I remember walking in the expo hall 
Like, cool, gonna go, you know, gonna go work at the Xamarin booth, see some Xamarin developers. Boom, pony. <laughs> Found it. Well, funny, yeah, the cloud developer advocates had a nice relaxation zone. I think there was massages, the whole thing. Yep. It's kind of cool because I've gone to some other conferences in the past that were a little bit more outdoorsy and a little bit more open. It gives you something to do when you're not going from session to session. And the layout of the Washington State Convention Center is really good for a conference uh, like this. Nice big rooms. Uh, we do a lot of events there at Microsoft, so a lot of our internal stuff. I go to the Penny Arcade Expo, uh, our Emerald City, Emerald City Comic Con. So there's a lot of great events there, so it has a good space. And also, since it's right downtown, there's a lot of good coffee. So I did something unique this year, which is I created a GitHub Gist of all of my sessions and all of the places where people could have in, uh, coffee with me and enjoy just coffee. So I was able to meet up with amazing Xamarin developers drink some delicious coffee uh, during my breaks, which I didn't have very many, but we made it happen. And that was a lot of fun. So I definitely plan on doing that the next few years, just kind of saying, hey, here's where we're going. And Frank was with me and a few other people from from uh, Microsoft would, would pop in from here to there. So that was unique. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was, it was good. My sessions went well. Um, there was a lot of other great sessions. Sue Miguel had a session. Kayla had a session. David Ortnow did a Xamarin Forms 3.0 session. Uh, did you get to sit in on any of them, Pierce? I was mostly working the booth the whole time, but I hear that they're all recorded and on Channel 9. Yeah, they're so all can, there. Sweet, yeah. so I can just go and check them out. Yeah, they're all up there. I've been adding them to my queue on YouTube. They're also on YouTube, so I've just been oh, adding sweet. them to my watch later, which is nice, because there's so many of them. I just scroll through the Channel 9 YouTube page and say, watch later, watch later, watch later. So I was watching. When you walked in today, yep. I was watching the, the the Scott Guthrie keynote, so... Well, do you just want to get into some of the news? Yeah, let's the do it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. What's uh, you've been working on a lot of stuff, Mister <laughs> uh, PM uh, of our Visual Studio side. So, what's what's new hot over there? Uh, well, so on Monday we released Visual Studio 2017 version 15.7, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, we've talked about the versions before, but it's now the stable Visual Studio 2017 version. It's out in the wild. Uh, we also released a Visual Studio 2017 version 15.8 preview, but 15.7 has some really cool stuff for Xamarin developers. Um, my favorite thing is we've actually taken one thing we hear a lot is, you know, my life when I'm building Xamarin for when I'm building a Xamarin forms application, especially in XAML is IntelliSense. Like that's my, that's my UI surface that I'm working with. That's my canvas. And, uh, and we've been getting a lot of feedback that the IntelliSense wasn't what people wanted there. And they're like, well, why don't you just make it like WPF, UWP? Those work great. And so we're like, well, we could probably do that. So we actually worked with the with the XAML experiences team that owns the UWP and WPF editors and extended that to add support for Xamarin Forms. So what does that mean as far as features that developers will now see light up? Sure. So the biggest thing, I mean, obviously with IntelliSense is matching. Mm. Um, so before it was pretty much exact string matching. Like if it if you mistyped it or you weren't exactly sure what the name was, you're not getting anything. Um, so now basically if you type it, we have cool stuff like fuzzy matching. So if you mistype it, misspell it like me all the time and you're clumsy or you don't know the control name, it'll still show up. Um, substring matching. So if you're looking for um, something like stack layout and you want to easily get to that, you can just type capital S, capital L, and mm-hmm. it'll look at you know the camel case matching. And then also um, there is substring matching. So you can type like layout. And so you can see all the layouts that are available in Xamarin Forms. So it's really good for like seeing uh, all the pages because you can type page, all the layouts. And so that's really nice. So the matching is great. Uh, light bulb suggestions, amazing. Um, and so some of the suggestions you get, like, I know if you're anything like me, you're copying code from somewhere else into your XAML. And, uh, and I always forget to put the XML namespaces in there. Natch. So I copy paste them in, uh, a light bulb suggestion will now show up if you don't have that. 
uh, which is pretty awesome. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other cool stuff like binding and commanding IntelliSense. So if you're setting up your view model in XAML, you'll actually see all of the suggestions that are coming from your view model um, from the IntelliSense engine. So that's pretty nifty. And we have some other cool stuff like um, markup extension IntelliSense and some other things. There's a lot of, there's a lot of much smaller things as well. Um, but I think if you give it a try, you'll notice that in general, the experience working with Xamarin.Form XAML is much improved. Yeah, I was going through the, my, some of my XAML because I was updating a lot of libraries today and I updated my circle image. And spoiler alert is that I no longer have two assemblies. I have one assembly. So anyone that's using my circle image will soon uh, have a, a slight breaking change. But uh, Visual Studio 2017 leapt in. It's like, hey, just so you know, this this namespace that you used to have no longer is there. You want me to correct that for you? And it's like, psh, done. I just brought it right in because yep. the light bulb pops up. There was a blue squiggly oh, inside yeah. there. I was oh, like, yeah. hey, this thing isn't there. And it was really nice. Uh, and, and it was exactly what I was expecting. And I did a demo uh, later on uh, and I was bringing in some Infragistics controls. And it, it's hard because with uh, namespaces, it's not just memorizing you know, what's coming in. It's the right. right syntax, but or you could go up and we at least had it so it would figure out what's in it. But maybe I didn't compile. It's like different things, you know, so it's nice just to have it work as expected. Yeah. So if you have if it can find basically the assembly reference. So if you had a NuGet. Um, like circle image, you paste in the circle image snippet boom. and you don't have it there, boom, going to suggest it, which like is pretty that. awesome. Yeah. Um, other cool thing, uh, a lot of people uh, have had, if you've ever built iOS applications, James, iOS provisioning, yeah, no terrible. fun, terrible. terrible. Uh, Miguel in his talk actually had a pretty funny slide. There was literally all of the steps that you have to take to provision like an iOS app, um, which is pretty insane. Uh, so now basically all you have to do in Visual Studio 2017 version 15.7, log in, step one, always important. Step two, click basically a few buttons and uh, it'll actually do turn on automatic provisioning in your uh, in your properties for your project and it'll take care of their, all of it for you. So very similar to what we introduced in Visual Studio for exactly. Mac yep. last year, uh, the end of last year or so in the stable release using Fastlane to do all that provisioning. So you log into your Apple account, handles everything for you. And we also have automatic provisioning. So the nice thing with if you just log in, That'll at least synchronize provisioning like, profiles, that yep, sort of thing, automatically. Yep. You don't have to leave your PC. I think that's one of the key key themes that I saw from Visual Studio on the PC side. I was like, hey, often right now you have to go over to your Mac to do this, or maybe not do it, or you know, you got to install stuff. We'll just do stuff for you. Yep. Because we've always had that dream of, oh, I just put my Mac over there, right? If I'm a Windows developer, I kind of I'm fine going over and turn on my Mac, but I have all my monitors set up. I, I'm switching contacts and that can be jarring. Yep. So with a remote iOS simulator, which is now in the community edition, which we've talked about, it's like, well, I don't have to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's it's good to go. And in fact, another feature that is my favorite feature, well, I have a lot of favorite features <laughs> that the team added, but uh, is the Wi-Fi debugging. Yep. Yep. So that, I don't know when that was added. Was 15.6. 15.6. And I actually didn't use it until recently in the office because... I would just, oh, I'm just going to always plug it in. But yep. due to uh, being on CorpNet, I kind of have some weird, wacky setup uh, at work. And I need Wi-Fi debugging because my MacBook Adorable has one port. And that needs to be an Ethernet port. So I use Wi-Fi debugging. It totally rocks my socks off. I just, you pair it once with Xcode and then boom. Like, what a great day for you as a developer because you can, you know, just sit there, have your iPhone out, hit debug, and just boom, it's on your phone. Just 
bananas. Yeah, and also in fifteen six, you mentioned like not having to go over to the Mac. You you want to work on you want to work on your Windows machine. Why do I have to keep jumping over to the Mac? And yeah. uh, with the new update that you're going to get in Visual Studio, if you're not also building iOS apps in Visual Studio, you would normally have to go back over to the Mac, install the update there as well, so it's all matching and that sort of thing. Um, in fifteen six, we actually added something. So we'll take a look at that Mac. Does it match what we have on Windows? If not, we'll actually install everything for you. So. But maintaining your build machines is also much simpler. And that combined with the provisioning stuff, like you said, from 15.5 to 15.6 to 15.7, I think the experience for iOS developers has gotten much, much better. Yeah. And what I like about that is it does take a, a little bit more time to make sure the connection is good, but it also is validating that, hey, everything that really needs to be installed is installed. And if right. it's not, we'll handle it for you. And once it's connected it's just good to go so i do i do like that and you only need to connect when it's on demand so it's it's really nice and um it seems though we're not only just doing ios stuff there's some android enhancements right yeah yeah android enhancements as well so um one major one is we're not doing this thing called eager deployment um so it's basically changing around the order of operations uh for a compile and deploy uh to something like an emulator so normally what would happen is i would compile my android app Okay, well, let's compile the Android app. Oh, well, we now see that your emulator hasn't been booted. Okay, mm. well, let's boot your emulator. Okay, well, we see that you don't have, you know, the Xamarin runtime installed on the simulator. Okay, well, let's deploy that. And so now actually what we do is uh, we moved launching all that to the beginning. And when we can start deploying things, we start depo eager deploying them. Um, so that way, generally, when you get done with a compile, it can just deploy. Uh, there's not anything else that has to happen. And we uh, we have some speed tests on our uh on our blog that we have for 15.7 that goes through some of the enhancements there. Um, we've also added something that is off by default, but as someone who is a primary iOS developer uh, who started doing Android recently uh, is very useful, which is basically um, it'll take a look. When I open an Android app, often I have the wrong thing installed. I don't have the right SDKs, you know, it's a big to do. Um, so basically what it does, I open an Android app. Do I have what I need to build? It's like what you mentioned for the iOS app. Mm -hmm. Do I have what I need to build? Okay, maybe I don't. Well, Visual Studio will actually look at the dependencies for your project and tell you exactly what you need to build. You don't have to go and dig up, you know, troubleshooting articles and figure all that out. We'll tell it right to you. You click, you accept licenses, click okay, it'll install. So that's off by default in 15.7, but uh, should be on by default in 15.8. Want to give it time to bake for sure. Yeah, and I um, noticed that over on VS for Mac, also tons of updates coming over there. Yep. A lot of things shipping on, on both IDEs is that I, I did file new Android project and I didn't have the latest 27 SDK and it jumped in and said, hey, you know, we have this feature. Do you want us to install it? Not automatically, but like you can just hit install right now and we'll right. go install it. And what I like about this at a high level is we did create a brand new SDK manager, a brand new Android emulator manager that are both for VS for Mac and Visual Studio 2017. Yep. But when you open up that SDK manager, there's still a lot of stuff in it. You know, yep. it's it can be confusing. And I often see developers and I'm guilty of it from time to time that just check a button and install everything. And it's gigs of emulator images and and documentation and stuff that you're never going to look at when, in fact, the actual SDK package is like 60 megs. It's yeah, not it's really tiny. it's yeah. not very large. So it's kind of nice to that. Hey, boom, this this go, goes ahead and just take takes care of what you actually need. Yeah. Um, for sure. And uh, for both iOS and Android, we actually revamped the project templates as well. Mm. I know, James, this has been something you've been asking about for quite a while. Yes, I'm very, very pleased. Finally, because I tested this out when it was in preview, 
is that on Visual Studio 2017, uh, all the brand new iOS Android templates, they're very similar to the cross-platform where you say, I just want an app, then I'll pick what type of app I want. So you don't have a thousand options, you just have one option. Right. We also have XAML-based iOS and Android apps, which are Xamarin Forms, which is super nice because sometimes I'm just working on a single app and just put it there and I can always add ones later. But I like that because they've also updated and added almost everything from my Visual Studio 2017 extension. That's all. That's a, quite the coincidence. <laughs> it is. I think that the only thing missing was maybe bottom tabs, which maybe will come in the next version. Yeah, so. yeah. But maybe I, keep an eye out on 15.8. Yeah, it's it's nice. I'm very I'm very excited because it'll then make sure that you have proper setup for you know flyout navigation or tabs or whatever you need, and that can be really complicated. I, you know what, it is complicated. That's why I created Definitely. a template yeah. pack to do it. So that's super awesome. But you want to talk about the biggest and boldest and largest change for developers that were is in preview today? Sure. So uh, if you've ever been building uh, Android apps on Windows, uh, then you know that Android emulators are Android emulators. Yeah, not our fault. Not our fault. That's just an Android thing. Um, so in terms of options, well, you could go with uh, go with an Intel Haxim accelerated emulator, which is pretty fast. I like those problem though is that it doesn't work with hyper v i don't like that that's yeah. all my docker i can't do my docker anymore can't do docker a lot of you know enterprises enforce hyper v as a matter of policy there's a whole bunch of other technologies that require hyper v and so basically you had to do the dance of uh, if i want an accelerated emulator of course you could always use the arm emulators but why would you do that to yourself yeah um then you basically had to <laughs> go back and forth between enabling and disabling hyper v which is annoying at best and in some cases just a non-starter. Like if I'm building an app, my if my website is hosted in a Docker container that I'm trying to test with against my Android app that's pulling it down that I can't do it. Yeah, and if you have an AMD processor, can't do it. Just the in the Intel Haxum emulator or the hype uh, the yeah, emul the fast stuff. Yep. Is for Intel, it's yeah, based by Intel. Yep. So yeah. Yep. So uh we worked um with the Hyper V team to actually um change the Windows kernel to make this happen. Um, so we took we took the Android emulator that you get from Google. It has first class support for all the new images, things like camera, geolocation, quick boot, all the features because it is the Google Android emulator and we added support for Hyper-V. I think that's really an important distinction that I hope everyone listening gets is that yep. we did not create a new emulator. Exactly. We took Windows and Hyper-V and did some magic to make the out of the box Google emulators be super accelerated on Hyper-V. Yep. So just like you have Intel Haxum as a, an accelerator for um, the Android emulator, you can now use Hyper-V. So yeah. it's the same thing. Like just how you viewed kind of Haxum, you can now view Hyper-V. Um, so it's it's pretty cool how it how it actually works. So um, Hyper-V has always been well has been on Windows for I think since Windows long time. Seven, yeah, Windows six, eight maybe yeah, long time, something yeah. like that has been there a while. Um, but something that was always problematic for situations like this is there was no way to access um, for third party applications to access the hypervisor. Mm. And so what the Windows team we work with the Windows team the Windows Hyper V team and they actually added a third party API on top of Hyper V mm. that allows uh, third party developers mostly like things like the Android emulator potentially like other vendors as well that use that need accelerators for their apps um, to hook into that. And so we actually modified QEMU, which is the quick emulator, which is what Android uses for its emulation for the, for the emulator. We modified that, wired that up to the new APIs, and uh, actually pushed and patched all this in the actual Google Android emulator. So there's no hacks or weird things you have to install. You just have to update to 
the new uh, it's actually in Canary, which Android uh, is is the Android SDK way of saying preview um, package. And we have a blog post from Miguel that actually walks through the process. So all you really have to do is enable a Windows feature called the Windows Hypervisor platform, install that Android SDK package, upgrade to uh, we have a web download right now at the time of this podcast for the Visual Studio tooling around. It works without the Visual Studio tooling as well. So like native Android developers that are building apps in Java can also take advantage of this. Mm -hmm. Makes Windows a great development platform. Um, But if you want the Visual Studio tooling, we have a web preview. You just install that and you're off off to the races. That's all you have to do. So if I I don't want to mess around my Visual Studio stuff, I could install the the, the Hyper-V stuff that I need, install the emulator stuff I need, and maybe just launch it via command line or something like that. Exactly. And yeah, Visual you, Studio will still know how to debug because it's target, correct? Uh, so if you already have it launched, it should work fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I ma- plug it in a phone. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and another thing you can do is, uh, of course, you can have stable and preview Visual Studio side by side. So that's also an option as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you already have Hyper-V installed, uh, I enabled, sorry, then definitely go ahead and enable that because that's going to make your life so much easier. Uh, a question that we commonly get is, well, Intel Haxum's working fine for me today. Uh, Mike's Android Accelerator is fast. It works. Uh, should I use this? Well, no, you don't have to use it. Um, you should use whatever works best for you. And if this works fine today, then continue to use that. If you need Hyper-V, then you'll want to use this. Yeah. And the great thing is because it's built in the box, because it's first class, it's just going to work. Yeah. You don't have to do any hacks or weird things like that. That's so, super nice. It's yeah. super nice because for me, I do, I'm starting to do some more Docker demos. And actually, a lot of half of my machines are have a lot of enforcement right. on them. And what happens often is I'll turn off Hyper-V and then it magically turns back on a few weeks or months later. And then I got to run some tools. I got to run some scripts. And you're like, actually, it would just be better if I didn't have to do that and just it worked. Yeah. So, and and. And Hyper-V used for other stuff, too, because you're going to be running not only just Docker stuff, but other VMs or other things like oh, yeah. that. It, yeah, it's for great sure. to use. So. Well, I didn't realize until recently that there is, well, I knew of the Hyper-V manager tool that comes on mm-hmm. Windows 10, but I didn't actually know that was like a full-fledged VM manager. Like you can, they have this thing called Quick Create, and you can go in there, boom, let me create a VM. Yeah. And, uh, and you can use that as a VM manager. Important thing that I did mention is um, because this did require kernel changes, you do need to upgrade to the Windows 10 April 2018 update. But that's not a big deal because uh, it's amazing. And me and James were just talking about how Edge is also amazing in it as well. Yeah, I surprisingly, right before doing all my demos, the Friday before, <laughs> I up, I updated all all the bits I could on Visual Studio and I updated uh, all my bits of um, Windows 10 to the the April update, which released like the day, the last day of April. <laughs> so right. They're also going to have to change this to the May update. <laughs> Had to do a string replace. Didn't yeah. want to have to do that. Yeah, don't want to have to do that. And... <laughs> It adds a bunch of new features, but uh, there's a new some new switcher stuff, some new stuff that they announced around build, which was cool. And yeah, there's some new updates to Edge, and uh, you know I'm I, I go back and forth. I usually have my work world in Edge, and then my personal life stuff in Chrome, and that works fairly well. And uh, I started using more around demo and making sure like everything was going to work great, and just seeing how documentation looked. I like to check all the browsers, uh, and yeah, I mean. I know it sounds like I'm drinking the Microsoft Kool-Aid here, but um, company man, maybe the the Microsoft coffee. Well, I I actually don't drink the Microsoft coffee. I drink my own coffee that I make at home and then bring it in. But um, I did. So it's like 50 50 still. So but I will say check it out because actually the uh, April updates is super good. Uh, I was pleased an update pretty fast, like an hour on my machine. 
wasn't yeah. too bad. Yeah, nice. Uh, I will say, like, well, there's tons of updates for Visual Studio and lots for Visual Studio for Mac. Uh, so the other things that we're really working on is a lot of enhancements to libraries that all developers are using. Maybe you're using Xamarin Forms. Maybe you're just building an iOS app, an Android app. And one thing that I've been uh, truly passionate about over the last three years, two, three years or so, I would say, of being in my role here at Microsoft and at Xamarin before that was ensuring that developers had uh, way ways of accessing native APIs easily. And we've always had the capability to always reach into native iOS, Android, Mac, Windows APIs all in C-sharp. That, like, that's the Xamarin goodness. That's yep. what people love. And they can craft UIs with native UIs, with Xamarin Forms native UIs, cross-platformly, or whatever they want. So uh, uh, quite a few years ago, I started an initiative called Plugins for Xamarin. And uh, they've grown into this beautiful, lovely ecosystem uh, that developers can go into NuGet and they say, I need connectivity, grab that NuGet. I need sensors, grab that NuGet. I need media, grab that NuGet. I need Bluetooth, grab that stuff, right? Grab the, the yep. preferences. And it's awesome. And I, I, it's one of the first things I do is I go and I install, I type my name in because I have a lot of them that I build, you know, a lot of them for myself. And I, what, I, what I would do is I would say, I'm developing a new app and I need this feature, I would just develop a plugin for it. So I have one for store review and just like, boom, it just does it. And uh, what I ended up doing there is uh, uh, we have a nice hand curated list. There's tons of them out there. But, you know, the problem with plugins is is as time evolves, they get more complex, more platforms. And uh, I only can only maintain so many. The community is maintaining them. And often a lot of enterprises or other customers, they really like that stamp of approval like this is an official package that comes from microsoft or comes from the xamarin team it's like our official facebook components and bindings and things that come from us and while the plugins are amazing and cannot thank the amazing community that has made and maintained so many of them you know sometimes it's hard even for you know any anyone in the open source to continue to maintain a plugin so i started thinking at the beginning of the year of of um what can we do to have something more official an official, official plugin type structure. And I, I danced around this because some inside inside soccer. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is why like, a lot of people say inside baseball, like, inside soccer. And uh, I started to think a little bit about what can we offer for developers? What's the right solution there? What have I learned? More importantly, what have I learned in the last three years of developing and maintaining plugins? And how can we take advantage of some new things? For instance, new APIs in Android and iOS, new SDK uh, things like um, multi-targeting and .NET Standard, and how can we learn and package up libraries that would be um, beneficial to developers, but also ensure high quality and ensure that it doesn't bloat their app size and really be linker safe. So I set off on this adventure of um, PMing, so program managing this new project we call Xamarin Essentials which we launched uh, this week into preview. It's just a single NuGet package. It's a pre-release NuGet. Fully documented, full API docs, full getting started docs, fully open source. And the idea here was to say, hey, there's all these great native APIs that need to be you know, abstracted into a single common API. So key store, preferences, all the things, right. connectivity. And it wasn't just, oh, let's take a bunch of plugins and throw it in here. It was like, let's think that's, let's look at some telemetry of NuGet and um, and, and, and GitHub projects and see you know, what's important and what should be in, in a release. And we came up with about 26 APIs. 
anything from you know device rotation or a- app info and version tracking to these really complex things like key store that's it's really complex uh, text to speech and things like that and and uh, how can we put that into a single NuGet package which will reduce the overhead of what's installed in your app and then also have a really well-architected way of saying like, hey, everything's architected really similarly. And that was another thing with plugins. Everyone's creating and have a different idea. So am I going to use Rx versus non-Rx? Am I going to use actions versus events? So everyone has a different way. So we said, we're going to standardize it. And we want this to be a core library. You can think of it as as MS Core Lib. Like this is part of a right. Xamarin library. And uh, we rolled it out. And I built a full Compass application on stage and uh, at build in under 10 minutes on iOS and Android. There's three lines of code to say, you know, start up a Compass, give me events, and then loop into the uh, hook into those events. And there's all sorts of different APIs that every single developer, no matter how you're developing, can do. So what's cool here is when you go to the documentation, you type in Compass, no matter where you're at, Android, iOS, Xamarin, Forms, you're going to find Xamarin Essentials. You're yep. also still going to find the native APIs if you want to get in there, but really this is your API and and it tries to abstract up as much as things as possible. And it's available today. I took, here's some cool stats for you, Piers. Uh, I took the app uh, GeoContacts, which is my CDA, Cloud Developer Advocate Finding app <laughs> and check-in app. And I subbed out a bunch of my plugins, had a bunch of them in for Xamarin Essentials. And since our linker technology is so good, not only first did it remove about 12 DLLs because I had so many plugins, now it's just one DLL. Right. And it reduced my app size by half a meg. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, because what we do is even if you only use one API or only use two APIs, it removes and strips out the other APIs because our linker, that's what our linker is for. It removes all the stuff you're not using. So that is available today. I'm very pleased um, and to get feedback on it. It's a pre-release point six something. I don't know. We're out there and uh, I've been updating stuff. I updated, I released my Compass app on, on my GitHub and the GeoContacts, I updated that. And we're updating all the different samples to use this. And starting in the future, I'm hoping 15.8, uh, we will include it in every single template. Yeah, it'll be awesome. And I think what you said early on is also really important. It, even though the API is cross-platform, if I'm just building an Android app and I'm using layouts and all that stuff, I know the APIs for a lot of the essential stuff in Essentials is much, much better than what I'd be working with with the native APIs. I think Contacts. I wrote an app that dealt with Contacts once using all the native Android stuff, and I was like, no, thank you. I'm mm-hmm. good. Um, and you just have a simple API. And uh, like you said, it's it's really nice, and all the documentation's all up there, everything. So how many? 26? different pieces about 26 apis and some of those have multiple pieces of functionality in them you know we we were making them nice and small so a lot of times with my plugins they would keep adding things where really like oh geocoding like that could be its own package but i'll shove it in geolocator and so those are two separate apis and they're very they share some common uh types but they're separate apis um and we are trying to standardize and we're taking a lot of uh, inspiration from the different platforms, especially Windows, because you know we're .NET developers. Yep. So, what is how does Windows describe something? How does Android and iOS, and what's the best way to standardize this? Because um, they work so different. And the good thing is the sensors. You know, the sensors on Android are bananas. They're crazy. You have to create um, hook into the 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 sensor manager. You have to go get the sensor manager. You have to go subscribe to a listener. You have to implement a listener, and then get updates, and then 
parse arrays to get your X, Y, and Z uh, things out of it. And we just say, you know, um, accelerometer, you know, start. Just give it a speed. That's, Here's it. An, that's it. Done. One line of code used to be like tons of boilerplate. Now yeah. it's just one. So that's why we think even if you're creating an Android yep. app, we'll, we'll, ha- we'll take care of that for you. Uh, but the nice thing is, hey, if you need to do more, all the source code's open. It's all open source. So you can go grab the bits and pieces that you may need if you need to extend it even further for yourself. Sweet. Yeah, and it's an official. It's an official Xamarin Microsoft package. You know, it's on the Xamarin um, uh, GitHub. So it's, it's, it's all out there. Awesome. Well, yeah. sounds like I need to start updating my apps to use some essentials. That's correct. Update, 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 update. In fact, yeah, and I will say a lot of people may be thinking, oh, our plugins going away or whatever. Yeah. Like, no, not, not necessarily because often plugins can handle more platforms. My settings plugin handles, oh, geez, uh, 10 platforms, I think. Right. And essentials is focused on iOS, Android, Windows 10. So the core Xamarin um, p- bits and pieces. Yep. So you can think that, hey, you know, um, I could still leverage plugins later on. I have a str- I have a strategy for myself going forward to s- stop maintaining so much. But um, yeah, they're all there, so they're all going to be there. And, and so, if you're creating plugins or creating something unique, but also give us feedback on the GitHub. So that's a long way of saying Xamarin Essentials now. Use it out there. Give it a try. Yeah. Sweet. Well, another big open source project had a huge milestone this week, James. A little what? Xamarin Forms 3.0 action. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I almost forgot about one of our largest. Pro- projects. Which is <laughs> uh, uh, d- did you get to go to David's session? No, I was working the booth. I didn't get a chance to go. It was fun uh, because a lot of his demo was the app that was at the booth, which is this Vision API. Um, yeah, it's ginormous. It's been in been the works for a while. Yeah, yeah. Xamarin Forms 3.0 is, I mean, I think it's been in the works for, you know, 8, 10, 12 <laughs> months. I mean, the really cool thing about Xamarin Forms 3.0, and I mean, you're, we'll obviously talk about some of the high level features is, and, and stuff like that. But because it's so much, so much time has elapsed and so much time and effort has gone into this release, even if you don't care about the features that we're about to talk about, there's over 500 bug fixes and performance enhancements in this release as well. Um, so that's that's awesome. If, if you're using Xamarin Forms, you're definitely going to want to update to 3.0 because it's got all that fun stuff in there as well. But there's a lot of really cool, fun stuff. Uh, talking to developers at the booth, uh, there is definitely a lot of interest in 3.0 and one feature that I really like is the CSS styling. And that was something that kept coming up at the booth was we had a lot of people who were coming in and maybe they were hybrid developers. They were going to start using Xamarin or they had a web background or their team had a web background. Or maybe they had some designers who only really knew CSS. Um, and they were they were like, you know, this is amazing. Xamarin Forms 3.0 introduced CSS style sheet support. I guess that is it redundant to say CSS style sheet or is that not castating style sheet, style sheet, style sheet. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, CSS. I'm going to say it anyways. And uh, so that's that's probably one of the more talked about features. And then we also had a ton of people coming up to the booth and talking about Flex Layout. Uh, Flex Layout's my jam because Flex Layout and CSS really go hand in hand. Yep. Uh, and what's cool about Flex Layout is it's, it, it is inspired by, on the web, Flexbox. But I think it's really inspired by Recycler View or Collection right. View and things like that. And the idea is that you have a list of data, but often you have grids of data, rows, columns, and they're scrolling or doing all this stuff. They're all different. You want it to be left, right, all those things. And you can easily add a bunch of items inside of it, and it'll automatically figure out how to space things by column or by rows and space things out appropriately. I think on iOS, things can animate if you rotate the device and move things around. So it's a really nice API, and it's just a new layout. That's another yep, thing. That's it. It's just I was looking at some of my 
some of my apps that I have today where I'm doing things in stack layouts that would make more sense to put into a flex layout. And you just right. simply replace the, you know, the stack layout with the flex layout. And then you tell it, how do you want things to go? But what was nice is during David's demo and I'll, I will try to, I think it's, I think it's up by the time this, we release it, the video. Um, it was also live stream. We'll, we'll, you can see some of his demos of just him modifying some of the, the CSS and bring in a right. style sheet. And the nice thing with the style sheets, a lot of people were scared. And I was always scared. I don't know anything about that style sheet. Yep. But there was IntelliSense. Um, there, it's a less verbose than the XML resource. I've never really liked resource. I just duplicate my stuff everywhere. So maybe yeah. I won't duplicate my stuff everywhere. But uh, that was really cool. So I think Flex Layout is, um, I call it flow layout because that's what I think it's doing. It's flowing things around. Yeah, but it's really Flex exactly. Layout. But that was cool. Right to left support. Boom. Or left Love to it. right. Le- right, right to left. Right to left. Right to left. left you can do right. both now. You can do yeah, both. <laughs> There's flow direction. That's what it is. Flow direction. Flow direction. Yep. And you can easily, with a, a single line of code, just flip it on on a page. Well, the co- the cool thing about both of those flex layout and the right to left thing, first flex layout, the flex layout stuff is really really cool if you have like flowing content, mm-hmm. the, especially dynamic things. You mentioned like having grids and stuff like that. Like I think the app that we'll put in the in the show notes, it was like an achievements badge thing might be pulling down the achievements from the web you can't hard code on these grids and stuff like that and the cool thing is if you mod if your data source modifies it's just going to completely handle that auto- automatically. automatically yeah and it's really like it's not that much code it seems like it'd be very scary in terms of coding but it really simplifies a lot of layouts I think. yeah it's like a few properties and boom you're done yeah and same thing so that's really cool because it's really simple to do and it's super powerful and it doesn't depend on CSS. I, that was something because they're both kind of webby concepts. Yeah. People think that kind of intermingle them, but they're totally separate. Uh, the right to left thing is also cool because it's also like <laughs> it's like one line of code. Yeah. And boom, you've just, you know, supported right to left localization. And of course, you've already talked about on uh, the Xamarin show about the multilingual app toolkit. Mm-hmm. But um it's my understanding that's like the string translation type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of brings, you know, it all full circle with the localization with the right to left support. So now if you're building Xamarin Forms apps, you can build them for any audience anywhere, anywhere in the world. Yeah. And, and, and you know, David made it a good point, which you could have done this before. Right. But you needed effects. You need to do some work yourself. They said, hey, we're going to take care of this for you. And they also added a bunch of accessibility things that might have been in 2.5. But I want to make sure that, you know. There was also a new accessibility uh, flag, so you can really help out. And I think one thing that, if you listen to the keynotes from Bill, we're trying to really create, you know, nice inclusive applications yep. for anyone that's using the app. You know, um, if there's people, you know, that may, you know, uh, have maybe people that are blind or uh, people that are hard of hearing or any of these things, you can improve your application. So these nice things, not only regionally but also inside your app. Uh, and a lot, uh, some other features for Xamarin Forms 3.0, I think that people have been asking for is like a visual state manager, Yep. which I'm used to coming from the desktop world and WPF and UWP, which is the idea is a visual state manager really says, Hey, if uh, in a simple process would be, am I in portrait mode or in landscape mode? Right. And if I was to do that today or previously, I would say loop into some events and I have to manually change all of the properties on everything I want to change. But with the Visual State Manager, the idea there is that I can describe a mode and I can say, right. hey, in portrait mode, set these properties to this. And in landscape mode, set this to this. And you can define your own states. And then you call the Visual State Manager when you want to to say, hey, 
for this page, go ahead and put it in portrait mode and then everything will update for you. So that's out there. You can do it on anything. They showed some really cool examples. Portrait landscapes are very easy. Also in Xamarin Essentials, though, is a simple one-line addition to say display information dot device rotated oh, nice. or metrics change and you can automatically see if it rotated and that's how you want to use it. No need to do width and height comparison. We will tell you what orientation your app is in. So that's actually pretty nice there. Uh, yeah, and a bunch of other stuff. So I won't go too far into details, but it's available. I updated some apps and uh, I really like it. I, there's some graphical, little tiny graphical changes on Android buttons, but for the better. Uh, and I didn't have any issues. I will say this. I, if you run into some issues with um, like uh, XAML tasks or things like that, are I was surprised because usually you're like, I don't know what to do. And there was two different instances. One time I had two different versions of Xamarin Forms, and I don't know what the team did, but it literally says, hey, you have two different versions of Xamarin Forms. Go you know, sync those up. I was like, that's amazing. Yep. And then the other one said, I updated everything. It was like, hey, you know, something's out of sync. It might be you know, something cached. It's like, and it literally said in the air, it said, just close Visual Studio, reopen, and it'll take care of it. And I, I was like, nah, that can't be right. And then I did, and it was totally fine. <laughs> So I was like, I was amazed. I was like, well, our error messages like fixed both my problems. It was really, I was really pleased. But it only, it kind of depends on your state of your app. But I had a really smooth update um, yeah. overall, to, to be honest, on on the apps and, and the libraries I created too. So Circle Image updated to 3.0. And 3.1 is available now too in a preview, pre-release. It is. And it has all, uh, I think in the previous podcast, we've talked about F100 which mm-hmm. sounds scary because you're just like, what is F100? Yeah. But basically, uh, we talked to our community and we said, okay, what are some of the things you wish Xamarin Forms had? What paper cuts do you have? Uh, what do you think is missing? And uh, we surveyed our developers, got back a whole bunch of things. And so 3.1 is kind of the beginnings of all of the things that have been uh, that have been mentioned over, I think, you know, it's a, it's a lot of little things. It's like, oh, well, you know, I really wish I could, you know, underline this text or change the color of this and that sort of thing. It's really about making the control controls and Xamarin forms you have today much more complete and more of what you're used to coming from the WPF and UWP side of things. Yeah, it's it's really nice. And I'm excited to see what happens in 3.1. Uh, David also went over a little bit of 3.2. That'll be even further out and even further out stuff. So we'll see what happens. I'm pretty excited. Uh, like I said, definitely check out 3.0 today and get your hands on it. Do, the, do that update. And, uh, you know, Take a look at some of my plugins. Take a look at Xamarin Essentials. Take a look at the new versions of Visual Studio. Uh, Visual Studio for Mac, really easy. You just hit that Visual Studio for Mac, check for updates. Visual Studio 2017, what you're going to want to do is launch the Visual Studio installer. It's it's installed when you install Visual <laughs> Studio. And if you haven't, go to visualstudio.com and install it. But what's nice here is you can easily just hit update, and it'll have to update all of the dependencies for you, everything that you need. And everything will be there. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we have a blog post up on blog.xamarin.com that we'll link in the show notes that kind of overviews everything we just talked about. And yeah. Each of these has like sub blog posts. And so if you're really interested in some of the details of things like Visual State Manager, Flex Layout, the Hyper-V Emulator, we have tons of information and content available around that, not just the blog post, but uh, James mentioned we have the Channel 9, the YouTube recordings. Um, so there's lots of content around Build. Uh, definitely worth checking it all out. And of course, we want to hear your feedback I'm at Pierce Bogan on Twitter. James is everywhere at James Montemagno. So if you have feedback about any of those things, of course, don't feel free. Or don't feel free? Feel free. Feel free. Yeah, feel free. 
Yeah, don't feel free to tell don't, me. Don't, Just feel free yeah, to tell Pierce. Yeah, feel free to t- feel free to tell me. There we yeah, go. Unless it's Xamarin Essentials, let me know. Yeah, then let James uh, know. All right, Pierce. Well, I think this is gonna do it for this week's uh, Xamarin podcast. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Until next time, which we promise won't be five months. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this has been the Xamarin podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks.